Thank you for downloading the Aging Matters podcast. To find out more about how Transitions Life Care is providing care and comfort for life's changing needs, visit transitionslifecare.org. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Good afternoon to you. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett representing Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights. As always, Nicole, how are you today? You know, I'm, I'm good. Uh, all three of my children are finally back in school. Uh, physically back in school? They are. Okay, they, they wow. Are, they go, they, so they're, they work from home three days a week, and then they go to school two days a week. So this week, my middle schooler was the final one to return. Their school did a staggered entry on the B schedule, and they are all beyond thrilled to be there. And I'll say my my 10th grader's been in school now for seven weeks, and it's it's been going well without a hitch. They're thrilled to be there, or you're thrilled for them to be there? <laughs> no, no, I, I, you know, and I had the option to choose the all remote, but I felt like for my kids, um, you know, having that ability to reconnect with their friends yeah. and I, the school's taken it super seriously and everybody wears masks and I feel incredibly safe and they are just, you know, I think it's just really good for their emotional health to be back. So I think it's, it's a mixed bag. I'm happy they're back, but I think they're probably more happy than me to be back. Slowly returning to normal uh, as best we can. And, you know, COVID has had such an impact on our lives. And uh, that's going to be the subject of this first segment, Nicole, as we're going to discuss how to stay healthy during COVID and some resources and uh, options that may be available to us uh, beyond that as well. And we brought on two experts. They are both from the Orange County Department on Aging. We have Latoya, Latanya Brown with us. She is the wellness coordinator. And we also have Beverly Shuford the communication specialist. Thank you both so much for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Some of my most favorite people in the world on the show today. I wish we could be in studio. Maybe someday soon, like kids going back to school, we'll be able to have guests here again as well. But we'll make the best of it, right? So long-distance air hug for sure. So glad to have you on the show today. And, you know, as we, as the weeks have turned into months and the months are quickly progressing towards a year uh, dealing with this COVID-19 pandemic, I know we have all, we're all starting to get incredibly tired. Yeah, I, I know personally, you know, at first I, I sort of had my superhero cape on and I was doing everything in the world I could to give my children a sense of normalcy and my, and myself, you know, just trying to keep it all up and keep a very positive attitude. But I think as time has gone on, we're all getting incredibly tired of sort of the change in the way that we're running our lives these days. And I can only imagine for a group of people that you all serve, the older adult community, um, how isolating this time has been as they have been the most vulnerable population. But as always, the Orange County Department on Aging tends to be a front runner in our state with the creativity that you have in connecting our older adults with very unique programming. And wanted to talk to you a little bit, LaTanya, about how you have been really really helping older adults through your wellness programming uh, remain healthy during the COVID-19 pandemic. What are some of the exciting things you've done? Well, um, thank you, Nicole, for all of those nice things you're saying about Orange County Department on Aging. We have, um, as our director, Janice Tyler says, we have hit the ground running and we haven't stopped. We haven't 
stop doing the normal things that we do, except we're just not in the building. But some of the things that we're doing, that I'm doing for, as a wellness coordinator, um, socially um, and virtually, is to try to make sure that things aren't as normal as possible. We're still having our evidence-based programming, which is our exercise um, classes with Alicia Reed. Um, they're virtually, they're Zoomed, um, but she's doing our arthritis foundation exercise class um, every Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. We also have our yoga class. Um, with Sally Benedict. Um, and then we have Vicki Tilly. She has been amazing. She she's actually has a platform on Facebook um, live. And she is doing her strength and conditioning class on Facebook. So we have different ways for people to reach out and pe- to be um, able to socialize and be a, be amongst each other. We are also having some mental health training as well. One of them is coming up on October 15th called Self-Management with Older Adults and Dealing with Anxiety During COVID-19. How, I mean, it's how amazing is that? I mean, you know, we're thinking about being, um, like you said, have your kids um, will be is better for them in their social life to be back in school. Um, we're talking about our, a lot of our, our seniors who are social isolated right now. And so um, we want to make sure that not only are they getting being physically active, but also acting, being active with their minds. Um, and we understand that this is a hard time for us, and we understand that we're trying to keep our seniors as safe as possible, but we want to also make sure that we're providing these programs as well. Um, we we are providing some one-on-one programming. We have we will have flu shots um, and, um, in October, the 14th and the 21st, and you can call the Senior Center and, and sign up for that. But we are, and we are also having hearing screenings, and they're provi- provided by UNC Healthcare. You know, LaTanya, I know one of the big things that the Orange County Department on Aging has done over the years, and this may be a little bit outside of your realm, but I know you used to have a big part in this, is really helping with the open enrollment period for Medicare. What are Have you heard about what the plans may be for that this year? You know, I'm going to let my colleague Beverly speak on that. Um, she has been... Um, you know, that's, you know, like you said, that was something that I was working with a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and Beverly is probably more knowledgeable with that. Uh, yes. I, really, I've been so impressed uh, with how we've been, and, you know, I guess that's is definitely tooting our own horn, but <laughs> um, how we've been able to continue working, you know, without taking a break and meeting the needs and we just finished up uh doing the income tax assistance program where uh we had to just switch midstream and start uh you know how can we meet the needs of preparing taxes for uh mid to low income folks and uh we came up with a virtual program a curbside program and that's the way it's going to be uh, working for our uh, Medicare open enrollment coming up. And um, as you know, that time frame is October 15th through December uh, 7th. And our uh, coordinator of that program is Jeannie Chamberlain. And so we are going to meet one-on-one. Counselors will meet one-on-one with um, with clients 
uh, that need to, you know, check their Medicare for the coming year. And we're going to do that while, uh, you know, well distance. Everyone will uh, have the screenings in advance and temperature checks and uh, wearing masks. And, and we're setting up um, some different type of technology and, uh, you know, so that the counselor can be distanced from the um the Medicare beneficiary, and also uh, those that cannot come in, they're working on ways to do that virtually as well and by phone, which is a little, little more difficult, especially with some of our older adults. It's, uh, you know, Medicare can be a complicated thing for anyone. Sure thing. And yeah. so explaining things over the phone, but but there's a lot of uh, plans in place, and I would dare say that our plans might be. Uh, different or or um, more progressive even than some of the other counties. I don't know, but I, I do know just from our, our program and our coordinator, Jeannie, that um, she's on top of it. That's awesome. So kind of getting back to some of my initial comments about COVID-19, you know, at first nobody really knew how long this was going to last, right? And we were all hopeful it would just be a few months or maybe it would go away during the summer or, you know, who knows. Um, But clearly this is going to be sticking around with us for a while. What are some things, Beverly, that we can do um, beyond, you know, the the social connection uh, as far as maintaining our health during COVID-19? Well, um, you know, and I think Latanya alluded to this too. Our, our seniors are, you know, isolated and can't come back on site. And so the things that we're doing and, and things that I think that you can rec- replicate at home is, uh, first of all, you know, I just think about being, uh, physically distant, but not socially, um, isolated or distanced. In other words, you know, we might need to keep away from each other uh, physically, but I think that it's so important, especially now, that we are socially connected, not socially distant. So I prefer the term physically distant. But um, you can, you know, reach out. We have seniors that have done some really neat things and, and some programs uh, that we're we're starting up and offering now just uh, spontaneous things where they come for our lunch program. We're still serving lunch and we do that, uh, three days a week at both of our locations curbside. Well, that's an opportunity for folks to come by at that time and uh, remain safe, but talk, um, talk to the volunteers and the staff that are delivering the meals to them. They get out of their cars and stay at their cars, but they wave. Uh, you know, and talk and shout back and forth to each other. And now we're doing some uh, programming uh, before and after on the parking lot where, uh, you know, you can find activities like that and you can do activities like that on your own. Um, you know, some of our participants have said, well, their neighbors were having a birthday, so they just organized a birthday parade where you can, you know, just go by your neighbor's house. It might be an older person, uh, walk by, stand at the end of the driveway and talk to them, organize something. We have a, a group that did not want to stop, um, their dance, uh, their line dance, uh, activities. And so they, they just block off the cul-de-sac and dance in the street, you know, and, uh, these are things that, that we're still, 
doing either virtually, and you can connect with us um, virtually uh, to take any of our programs. And uh, also, you can do that at home by if you, uh, you know, Google anything that you're interested in and get connected that way. But I would suggest that, uh, you know, we try to find ways to stay connected through volunteering. We have a very strong volunteer program even now, but continuing to, to volunteer, to, to look for opportunities where you can serve helps you in your isolation or if you find someone uh, that needs help. You know, we're, we're reaching out through our department to those folks who have not um, reached back out to us, who haven't participated in any of our online classes, who haven't called us on the helpline. Uh, and uh, so those people we haven't heard from, we're calling them to see, hey, are you all right? Um, do you have everything you need? Do you have, you know, food, access to health care? Are you, you know, having any uh, mental health issues? And I think that each of us individually and as organizations, we can all do that with the people that, you know, we haven't heard from or that uh, we know are living alone. Yeah, it's a great step to take, and uh, it's a small action on all of our parts, but it can make a big difference for someone who may be in isolation and uh, maybe not socially engaging with people as much as they are used to. You can find more about the Orange County Department on Aging by going to orangecountync.gov slash aging, or you can Google Orange County Department on Aging. The phone number to reach them is 919-968-2088. Seven, Latanya Brown, wellness coordinator, and Beverly Shuford, communication specialist, both with the Orange County Department on Aging. Thank you both so much for joining us this afternoon. We really appreciate it. A quick break and back with more. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Cleggett from Transitions Guiding Lights. Here's your host, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk traffic. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. A reminder, you can always find more information about Transitions Life Care online at transitionslifecare.org, transitionslifecare.org. And don't forget, there's still time to register for the Caregiver Summit. You can do that online. Uh, If you go to WPTF, head over to the Aging Matters section. There's a link there, or you can just go straight to caregiversummit.org. Org. Uh, Nicole, we're uh, just wrapping up our conversation on COVID. Uh, we're going to dial in a, a little bit further into that. Uh, we're going to continue to talk about staying connected in a virtual world, but we're going to focus on the uh, the world that affects those with aphasia and dementia. And to do that, we've brought on Maura Silverman. She is the executive director of the Triangle Aphasia Project Unlimited. Maura, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Such a great opportunity to get the word out. You know, Jason, I'm, I'm trying to picture here. Can you imagine the world 
right now for individuals with a cognitive impairment, oh seeing people in masks and the total change in routine. And then and then on top of that, those with aphasia who have communication difficulties and then not even being able to have um, – you know, to be able to see lips sometimes or to have their own mouths covered to make communication all the more difficult. I really appreciate you coming on, Maura, to shed some light on this topic and to really help us understand what these individuals are going through and how we can connect with them. I think sometimes when people don't know what to do, they just don't do. And that can lead to all the more isolation for these groups of people. So I'm so glad that you're coming on today to talk to us about this. Uh, I really appreciate the opportunity. Look, we all had to shift and serve and figure out, you know, creative ways to keep people connected with, especially with this population that you're talking about, because social isolation is already the issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, 92% of people, according to the National Aphasia Association, consider themselves socially isolated. This is pre-COVID. So mm-hmm. now you put in a situation where the individual can't, um, hang out with our groups or our programs that we have in person. They can't, you know, go to their um, senior center, take advantage of um, amenities within their adult living communities, um, visit with their children and grandchildren. It is, it is devastating, and we had to act quickly. So talk to us a little bit about what are some of the things that you have done since the COVID has been upon us to really try to help these people be connected. I mean, obviously, it's not the same as what it used to be, but I'm quite sure in what I know about you, Maura, that you've probably come up with some pretty creative and dynamic ways for folks to connect. Well, thank you. It was, um, we had to dig deep in that right hemisphere for the creativity (laughs) to be able to find opportunities and options for people that we didn't really know what type of technology, what type of Wi-Fi. And as you said, we're not doing enough. We're not reaching everybody. We know that there's still other people there, but that kind of taps back in, all pun intended, into our um, our ability to find other ways to communicate. So when everything shut down in March and we had really just moved down to our new location within um, the Dorcas Plaza. We have a hub and spoke model. So not only were our programs within that hub canceled, but everything in um, adult living communities, hospitals and rehab centers all across the triangle and beyond. And so when all those shut down, um, we acted as quickly as we could to become Zoom experts like the rest of the world um, and started to ask our clients and families, what did they need? And we did some general wellness calls initially, seeing if anybody needed masks or supplies, um, groceries, things like that. We, you know, as cliche as it sounds, we're a big family and we all just came together. Soon after that, we put together a schedule um, all of the um, services we started providing were free of charge. Now, of course, it's only $5 for a group session anyway during non-COVID times, but we really felt like people were in enough of a challenge mm-hmm. um, that during that initial couple months, we provided everything for no cost. We started groups and went anywhere from our traditional book clubs that we have, our conversation groups, groups for people with primary progressive aphasia, support groups. Um, engaging conversation groups, movie clubs, um, and then just recently in September even up the ante and now have um, 19 different groups that go Monday through Friday. Our group leaders um, literally stopped being paid. They took out, did everything for free as well. And we just started to think creatively, how could we collaborate, um, connected with hospitals and 
university settings. The biggest um, advantage of the collaborations that we already have benefit of, which is these amazing hospitals that we work with, that the speech pathologists would call in clients onto our Zoom calls who had literally not seen their family. Mm -hmm. Like were dropped off at the emergency room, having a stroke, waking up, not being able to communicate. And now they got to join a group of people who knew exactly what they were going through. It's amazing. Wow, yeah. You know, you, you've heard some of those stories in, in those very beginning days with, um, and I still think it's the case. I think if you're in the hospital with COVID, you aren't able to have visitors. But I know for other types of reasons, it's, some things have shifted depending on what hospital you're talking about. But I, I, I heard about, you know, sometimes when these folks were in the um comas related to COVID and then they were coming out of them, what what the hospitals quickly discovered was that the impact of the typical experience when families at the bedside, how quickly people rally, but when family wasn't at the bedside, it took people a whole lot longer to gain their cognitive faculties back when there weren't things that were orienting, that would orient them to, you know, the reality of where the world was right now. And so uh, I can only imagine what it's like for folks that have had a stroke where those cognitive abilities are, are taking a lot longer. I remember my grandmother had a stroke, how frustrated she was, and she had aphasia just for a short time, period of a couple of months. But she, you could just see it in her eyes. You know, she she knew what she wanted to say, and she just couldn't say it, and it, she would just boil inside. It's not just the loss of that interaction, or the um, the, it's the loss of communicative support. Mm-hmm. So, a support for somebody who can't walk might be a walker or a wheelchair. A communication support for an individual who has aphasia is a person, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> and if you can't have that person there, and um, Families fill in a lot of the gaps of communicating with healthcare providers, with making sure that um, that the legal stuff is taken care of, the insurance, and they just weren't available. It must have been like the twilight zone for these um, families. And so, again, um, we couldn't do it without the collaboration of the amazing people and, and therapists in these hospitals who said, you know, how can we help and how mm-hmm. can we shift also to serve? Um, trying to reduce some of that social isolation. So what can we do to really help people that are struggling during this time? And, and you know, I, I started off this segment talking about sometimes when we don't know what to do, we just don't do as, as, as human beings. And, and just because it feels awkward and you feel like, well, if I try something, it, it might be wrong. What if we know that we have a friend or neighbor that we haven't seen out and about and we do know that they have some physical difficulties, perhaps with a cognitive impairment or with aphasia? How can we support that individual? That's such a great question. I mean, if you know some of the individuals in their um, families that you can connect with or that you can do kind of um, curbside visits Mm -hmm. to see if anybody needs anything, Um, being able to just connect them with um, and maybe an iPad or if you have an extra iPad around the house that you can donate to one of these facilities like TAP or somewhere that is trying to hook up. Um, people, an old iPhone that we can get hooked up and allow somebody to connect with their family members. Um, you know, anything that can do online visits with people, whether it be a Zoom call, um, we have aphasia-friendly access to those things, so it's easier for people to follow. Um, being able just to find out, you know, what what else do they need? Make sure they're legal um, uh, requirements are being met. Do, are they? Are is there someone? to advocate for them. The Centers for Medicare and Medicaid 
Services just recently came out and expanded some of the opportunities for people to allow compassionate care and some of the requirements under ADA, make sure that the person will have communication supports um, that will help so much to reduce that isolation and the connectedness. We do also a lot of um, like wellness calls. We do some of the clients um, will connect with a person who doesn't have internet access but just needs to talk to someone on the phone. Um, little care packages and um, and pen pals. You know, I mean, I have a a son who's sitting home doing virtual school. When he gets a little break, guess who he's writing some postcards to? And mm-hmm. you know, get 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 people. You know, doing little service projects. I just had a college out west contact me, Western North Carolina, contact me and say we'd like to put together care packages for your clients that aren't you know. Receiving, I mean, it, it's coming together as a community and finding out how we can help these people. So I love that proactive of like, don't do nothing, <laughs> just find out what you can do. Indeed. So, yeah, uh, it, do, it doesn't take yeah. much to make a, a big impact on someone else's life, and little things like that uh, can make all the difference. Maura Silverman, she is the executive director of the Triangle Aphasia Project Unlimited. You can find more information about them online at aphasiaproject.org. Aphasia spelled A-P-H-A-S-I-A. Maura, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. We really appreciate it. A quick break and back with more. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care, right here on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care. Find more about Transitions Life Care online at transitionslifecare.org. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. And Nicole, we're going to focus now on the importance of organizing our financial assets to make sure we get things right. We're going to have a conversation about estate planning as well and maybe some misconceptions uh, that may be out there when it comes to estate planning. And to do that, we've brought back a return guest. Uh, he's, I think he's friend of the show status, Nicole. I, I, I do believe so. He's been on enough times mm-hmm. to reach that lofty status. He's Mark Costley, the founding attorney with Clarity Legal Group. Mark, thanks so much for coming back on the show. Well, Jason and Nicole, it's it's great to be here. I'm I'm grateful to have this uh, this uh, friend of the uh, of the show status. So that's fantastic. We need to make T-shirts. I think so. Friends of the show status T-shirts. That sounds. Like I was going to start thing. with maybe a koozie. Maybe or masks. A, oh, oh. Given now that it's you're COVID, thinking. you know. Now you're thinking. <laughs> so, but I would be remiss though without. Uh, publicly thanking Mark Costley and Clarity Legal Group for yet again for another year being a presenting sponsor for the upcoming Virtual Caregivers Summit, which is going to be on October 22nd. So if you like what you hear from Mark today, definitely encourage you to register for our event. Uh, Clarity Legal Group is going to be participating in actually three sessions at the upcoming Caregivers Summit, and they have a wealth of information to share with all of you. I had the distinct pleasure of hearing all of the content that they're going to be sharing a few weeks back, and I will say it's definitely worth its weight in gold. So thank you so, Mark, uh, so much, Mark, for that ongoing support. 
Oh, uh, you're most welcome. Thank you, Nicole. So let's let's get into the nuts and bolts of all of this here today. I know uh, sometimes we kind of touch on some of these topics, but I'm really happy that we're going to be really drilling down into what exactly is estate planning and why it's so important to get those financial assets organized and right. Yeah, thanks, Nicole. I uh, This is a, a subject that's near and dear to my heart because I think most people uh, are a little bit confused when they hear the term estate planning. And, and, and some people think, well, gee, that's something that only applies to the very, very wealthy or may not apply to me. And and I'm just going to tell you, it, it really means nothing more than what it sounds like. You've got an estate, what you own, and planning for how it is managed, controlled, and distributed at your death is what estate planning is. And so everybody needs planning. But what some people don't appreciate is that you can actually have a will uh, and not have estate planning. You can actually have a will and, 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 and not know what it does. You can even have an attorney draft a will for you, and the attorney won't know what it does. Yeah, that's 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 that sounds like that could be pretty risky. And and you're right. I mean, I I often hear when people talk about estate planning, they just think it's for you know, well, that's for that big mansion down the street, not for me and my house. Yeah, and and uh, and that's and that's so wrong. In fact, I'd like to look at estate planning this way. Uh, uh, first of all, we've got a 100 percent chance of dying, so we know we're all going to do this. True. And, and we all have a we all have this sense, right, that. Uh, that this is something that we that we ought to do well. That uh, that part of our legacy is is what we own, but also part of our legacy is kind of the way we live our lives. And when you have something that is a that is kind of an earthquake for all the people we love and all the people who count on us, our our deaths, and we have the opportunity to do it right, or we have the opportunity to leave a mess. You know, for most people, part of your legacy is is not leaving a mess and doing it right. Now, it doesn't hurt that that also saves money. It doesn't hurt <laughs> that that also ensures that you get the outcome you want. But also, just leaving things well organized, like I say, is part of the legacy of a life well lived. And that's what estate planning is about. So when you get to this question of how do you own things, right? People sometimes think that that's something separate from the from what the lawyer does, but it isn't, and it shouldn't be. Uh, the 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 way I would would talk about this for people is that literally organizing the way you own things is critical to how the legal documents work, and the legal documents won't work as intended unless the two are in sync, are coordinated. So, what is it that people are typically doing wrong that maybe the average person isn't thinking about? Well, one thing is, you know, when you organize your affairs. Uh, so everyone needs a will. Uh, and one of the reasons you need a will is because you want to be in, in charge of, of, of nominating the person who's going to manage things for you in the event of your incapacity. And when we think of estate planning, or rather, in the event of your death, and when we think of estate planning more broadly, we want to manage for what happens in the event of our incapacity, too. And here's where uh, it, it becomes critical to have powers of attorney and health care powers of attorney and, and even a trust. Well, when we're thinking about this, uh, we often think that, well, we've got a will, so that's going to control all our assets, but it doesn't. Uh, So don't think of your will as the document that controls your assets at death. It turns out your will is the document that controls the assets for which you have made no other arrangement. And almost every other legally documented arrangement you could make uh, kind of overrides the will, trumps the will. And that can be a good thing or a bad thing. And so I think people tend to not recognize that they have lots of little wills rolling around out there, little arrangements out there that override the will. 
like a beneficiary designation on an IRA or or a, or a jointly owned bank account or a, or a jointly uh, owned uh, piece of real estate, and and sometimes you know we're kind of attracted by the the allure of simplicity, right? No one wants it to be complicated, and it just sounds so simple if I just you know set up my account to transfer automatically at death. But that's not necessarily a good thing. Sometimes, sometimes it's an affirmatively bad thing. Uh, but I, I, I think, at least in my experience, it always adds complication, not simplicity. Because instead of having a centralized arrangement that's controlled by you and, 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 and your advisors, it turns out you have lots of different arrangements rolling around. And so I'm not a big fan of that. But what I am definitely a fan of is knowing what is controlled by your will and being intentional about it instead of just sort of letting it happen. So when you think about creating an estate plan, I think for a lot of people it sounds so mysterious and rather complicated. Is it? No, it isn't and it shouldn't be. It should always start with a conversation of what your goals are. I mean, so every plan that I do is going to have more or less the same documents for that client. Well, those documents are not going to be the same. And in fact, if you ever run across someone who's treating, you know, the documents as just sort of standard forms and giving everybody the same thing, you should kind of run screaming from them. That's not that's not who you ought to be dealing with. Uh, that that's not really what you need. It starts with what's important to you. And so there are some common things there. Most of my clients would like efficiency. Most of my clients would like to avoid paying unnecessary taxes and avoid unnecessary court fees. But also people will have very specific uh, goals. You know, I've got someone in my family who, who needs some help. I don't want to leave them out of my will, but I'm, I'm not sure I entrust them with a, with a large inheritance. Or I've got somebody who I wouldn't want to step up and make decisions for me if I were incapacitated or control my assets at my death. Or I'd like to avoid a family dispute at death. Well, all these things are, are, are things that can be planned for, but they're going to be different for everybody. And, and so how you organize things is, is important to that. So if you've done any planning around any of those sorts of things and you don't have the ownership of assets in line with the legal document, like a trust or a will or a power of attorney, that, that, that you want to control that asset, well, then it's not going to, it's not going to work it, that, it, because it doesn't happen automatically. The two have to be coordinated. So... That's why I say when you're working with a lawyer doing estate planning, a, a, a piece of that has to be looking at how your financial affairs are organized. You know, I, I often think about this this one infomercial that I used to hear uh, for many, many years. It was, set it and forget it. Um, and for those of you who can get that, you win a prize. Just kidding. But set it and forget it, the Ronco grill, if you recall. Is it similar with an estate plan? Once you set it up, you just let it go and you don't ever have to think about it again? Oh, that, that, that question is music to my ears, Nicole. No, no, it's not. Uh, uh, I, I think people tend to think that, uh, that an estate planning or getting estate planning is an event. And, 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 and we coach our clients to understand that it's a, it's a process. It's really a lifelong process. And so you put a plan in place and you get the peace of mind of knowing that you've done it. But, but life happens and things change. So the law might change. But other things might change. The person you chose to be the guardian for your children or your executor or your power of attorney may longer be a no, no longer be a good choice because something's changed in their life. Uh, your, what you own may change. You may, you, may, uh, you may see an increase in your wealth or a decrease in your wealth. And, and, and if you're struggling financially, the choices you make in, with respect to your plan may change. And so all kinds of things can happen. Uh, that can change what, what kind of planning you need. And so you need to 
you need to stay vigilant about this. And, and part of this relates to this issue of asset ownership and, and organization. The number so, – so someone comes into our office and we do a, a great estate plan for them and they walk out the door, everything is in sync, the document is exactly what they want, they've got exactly what they need, and they got the peace of mind of knowing they did it. We ask everybody to come in to review this plan at least every four years. And when someone comes in for a four-year review, 95% of the time, something – at least one thing is no longer what they needed uh, because something has changed. And the most common thing is not their preferences or their family situation. The most common thing is one of the assets is no longer in sync with the plan. They, they changed financial institutions because their, their advisor moved from one place to another. And, and when, they, when the accounts got set up at the new institution, the beneficiary designation got changed. It isn't what it was supposed to be on the IRA. Or the account that was supposed to be owned in a trust didn't get set up that way. Or the account that wasn't jo owned jointly with someone got set up to be owned jointly. And now the plan doesn't work. So what happened there is just the act of the, of, of the financial advisor changing jobs created an event of estate planning, but no one saw it that way. They saw it as a, as, a, as a technical matter, and they trusted their advisor, and they wanted to stay with them. And then somebody in the back office just didn't get it right when they moved, and the result was the plan no longer worked. So it's, it's not a huge problem, because if you come in and review it and, and, again, treat this estate planning as a process rather than an event, we'll catch it, we'll correct it. But if I have a client who doesn't come to see me until they are aware that something has changed, well, they're not going to be aware that that change occurred, and then if they uh, if they become incapacitated or die and, and haven't accounted for that, they may have a real problem. A simple, well-intended change could have a, a major and uh, not very nice impact if you're not careful. We're having a conversation with Mark Costley. He's the founding attorney with Clarity Legal Group, and we'll continue our conversation with him right after this. Stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. On the line, we have Mark Costley. He is the founding attorney with Clarity Legal Group, and we're having a discussion all about estate planning and the importance of making sure that our, our assets are, uh, and our finances are organized. And Nicole, we want to uh, talk about family dynamics because uh, you know planning is a way to avoid family disputes and it can help us out especially when you know the family situation may not be as rosy as as we hope it would be so um you know this is something that planning and communication can help alleviate at least a little bit yeah definitely you know and I, I do think that there is some advantage to kind of being thoughtful in your approach and especially when things uh, may to some appear to be not fair and then to others you know to be very fair um, I can only imagine the position that you're placed in from time to time mark well yeah sure but that's in a way that's 
that's part of the job of, of being a lawyer. And so when you have an estate planning lawyer, one real advantage for you and your family is you've got someone who sort of has a, a continuity of understanding of what your intentions are uh, and how they've changed over time and can be there to reassure the family that, uh, that the plan reflects your re real wishes. Uh, when someone becomes incapacitated or dies, what do you think is the, is the, the, the main reaction of people? Well, Whatever it is, it's sadness, it's, it, it's frustration, it, it, it's a stressor, right? And so you're really, in a way, planning not for, for the, the time in which your family is going to be at their best, but maybe the time your family is going to be at their worst, because that stress can cause them to, to, to react and, and think from an emotional perspective. And you'd like to be in a situation where you have the right person making decisions for you, the person who's going to be able to weather that emotion the best, perhaps the person who's going to be able to communicate most effectively with the rest of the family. So that's why the choice of a power of attorney or a healthcare power of attorney or an executor can, just can be really critical because that right person can make a difference for the rest of the family. So it really seems like a lot of times and, and this things that are intensely personal, right? Like how much money you make a year or, you know, who's in the will or who's been named in the trust or so on and so forth. It tends to be a mystery in a lot of families. Now, I'm not saying all, but a lot. Why do you think that is? And are there advantages or disadvantages to really laying it out there when you're alive so that folks have an understanding? Well, when you talk about, you know, how much money someone makes or how much money someone has, that is just a real matter of personal privacy. And some people are more free talking about their sex lives than they are their, uh, their income, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're in 2020. <laughs> and, 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 and there's a reason for that. It really is a matter of importance and privacy and, and, and for different reasons. You know, I've had clients who had uh, had a lot more money than anyone in their family uh, uh, imagined, and and they were keeping it secret mainly because they they were imagining uh, the family getting around the table after their deaths and being surprised to find an extra zero on the uh, on the size of the estate, and that and that surprise that they were imagining in it w w was part of was part of their their legacy. It was part of the way they viewed uh, w what they were doing for their family, and and so that's 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 unusual. Usually, it, it may be. Uh, it Maybe something else. Maybe the, maybe they have less money than the family expects, <laughs> but uh, but it can be it can be a, a, a motivation for people. And I will tell you that the biggest areas of communication that I think are important is uh, letting people know who you've put in charge. Uh, if you've chosen uh, one family member over another, talk about it, and, and because the reason is usually practical. You know, I want I want my daughter who's here in 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 in, in Raleigh or Durham to be my executor instead of my uh, son who's in uh, in Chicago. Not because I trust my daughter more, but because there are just some practical advantages to having her take care of things. And and so talk about that so it's not an emotional issue, uh, or. For people who have included non-family members in the estate, I think that's critical to talk about. I've decided to leave, uh, you know, a third of my estate to charity and the rest to my kids. Well, that's an admirable thing, but you might be surprised that to find that the kids don't think it's so admirable when they find out <laughs> a third of the money went to charity. But but they'll they'll when they hear it from you uh, while you're alive and understand why you did it, uh, it becomes a positive instead of a potential negative. So I, I think that kind of communication. Uh, can be important for avoiding disputes. It can also be important for for just uh, making people feel more comfortable that what happened was really what was wanted. But, you know, Nicole, you know this better than I do. When people age, 
sometimes their 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 mental capacity uh, declines, mm-hmm. their thinking becomes foggy, and right. guess what? When they die, uh, if the results are not what people expected, well, that's when people are going to assume or imagine that, that 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 fogginess or cloudy thinking at the end of life was what prompted that. And so that, that you, you want to avoid that. And that's that's where I think, uh, you know, a relationship with a good estate planning firm really pays off because we can tell people, well, yeah, uh, this has been in the plan for 15 years. It isn't something we did six months before. Right. Dad died. Yeah, long, long before. And I, that's where you hear a lot of, you know, family squabbles, especially when there aren't attorneys involved and maybe somebody just did one of those wills or something online. And, and, and then you have the whole, well, they had them sign that right on their deathbed scenario. And, you know, I've. You know, I've seen that even in some families that are somewhat close to me. So um, I, I know that definitely is a huge issue for folks and, and, and something that often makes the news. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and again, talking about the job of the lawyer, sometimes there is a change that happens three or four months before someone dies. And, 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 and a good and experienced lawyer's job is to make sure that person knew what they were doing or competent to uh, sign that document and can stand there and, and, and you know, and, and explain things to the family uh, uh, at the time of death or after death. Yeah, it's uh, something that we all want to be prepared for and planning is key for. So make sure that everything is organize with your financial assets. If you want to get a hold of Mark and Clarity Legal Group, you can go to ClarityLegalGroup.com or you can also go to OrganizeYourAssets.com. OrganizeYourAssets.com. He is Mark Costley, the founding attorney with Clarity Legal Group. And as we said, he's he's reached friend of the show status. So uh, Mark, Nicole's going to make a custom-made mask for you, so be on the lookout for that. Okay, well, I, I will look forward to that. And again, I'm grateful for the opportunity to speak to everybody today. Always great to have you on, Mark. I want to remind everyone before we head out today that you can still register for free for the Caregivers Summit. Be sure to head online to caregiversummit.org, caregiversummit.org. That's happening October 22nd. So be sure to register as soon as you can. Uh, an incredible day of resources all online. It's a uh, wonderful undertaking that Nicole has put on, but it's, it's going to be something special. Caregiversummit.org is the place to go to. We're out of time for today, but we hope you will join us again next Saturday at 4 for Aging Matters. Care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk traffic. Have a great day. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.